Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of Operator Revolution, the podcast about operations. I'm Jason Carvello, founder of Toronto-based Operating Academy. And I'm Clint Overton, founder of the Overton Group in St. Louis. And we are your hosts. In today's episode, we're going to pick up from where we left off in Episode 1 and dig deeper into the question, how do you identify that you need an operator? One of the things that we've been talking about a lot recently, Jason, and just even recent experience working with clients, it's um, it's something that is unfortunately very common. I think oftentimes CEOs and owners kind of can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak, because they've gotten themselves into this cycle of how they're running their business every day. And it's really kind of the, I come in and the the hamster wheel kind of begins, right? You're, you're working through one issue to the next, the next challenge to the next, the next problem to the next. And it's just extraordinarily tactical. And you wake up the next day and you kind of do the same thing. And um, it's just, it's really, it's interesting. I think that I think a lot of businesses kind of become numb to it. Maybe it's because it's the way that they've always operated. They don't really recognize the fact that there's a different way. And um, you think it's very interesting when you see, an owner or a CEO or a leader in an organization who is humble enough, um, self-aware enough and courageous enough to recognize that what's happening probably isn't the ideal. Um, And then when you have an opportunity to step in and start going through an assessment and educating them on that there are different ways of doing things and what the outcomes are related to that, Uh, It just helps, I think, clarify for me that a lot of times businesses don't know what they don't know. And, um, you know, I know that you and I've talked about this quite a bit over the last several months and the types of experiences that we've had. But, I, you know, I'd be curious just in terms of your personal experiences and, and how you've seen that play itself out with some of the clients you've worked with. A lot of the time I see CEOs, you know, they build really great teams and they really heavily rely on those teams to kind of move the needle. But like you said, they're walking in every single day and dealing with a fire. They're just kind of putting the fire out uh, and then another fire gets started somewhere else. And the individuals start to believe that maybe the people that they've hired don't necessarily know what they're doing or they lean on one person too much to kind of wear multiple hats within the organization. And then because they don't have the ability to make some type of change management, they're not able to fire quickly. Um, you kind of keep people on payroll and the duties of maybe multiple people move on to one person. They feel like that's, that's the normal. And then that only gets to a certain point, gets the organization to a certain point until it starts to break. And that's when we start to see uh, people looking for uh, us, people who are operators to kind of help them out. So I find that an individual feels CEOs are feeling overwhelmed. A lot of the time when I come into an organization, they don't know how to manage their own day, let alone their staff's day. And they are, they're just now stuck in this internal day in and day out of just putting out fires and not really moving the business forward. They don't really know how to remove themselves from the organization and even have a two hour or three hour working block where they can think strategically about maybe the product they're working on or even just the people that they're trying to serve. I think that the word stuck is a really good one. Another one that I use often is paralyzed. And it's just the fact that 
I think there's this very deep recognition that something has to give and something has to change, but just really a complete um, lack of knowledge, experience, Correct. awareness, whatever it might be that is keeping them from kind of moving things to the, to the next level. And one of the, one of the outcomes related to that is that the rest of the team tends to end up suffering from that. And so that can be a lot of frustration and angst that comes from some of the people in the organization who are pulling more weight than others, um, generally because of the fact that there's a lack of systems and processes, et cetera. There tends to also be a lack of accountability in the organization because there's probably not goals and scorecards and metrics. There's not an easy way to give somebody feedback around how they're, how they're doing or not doing. Um, there's an, there's this intentionality around being able to get through the next day and the next week and not being able to step out and look at the big picture. So I think as a result of that, you find yourself pretty consistently um, having a group of high performers who are carrying a heavy burden and then low performers who are kind of getting by. And because of the fact that you're just trying to get through the day, those low performers never really get coached up or coached out. Um, and the burden continues to shift further and further and further towards your A players. And you really put yourself at a lot of risk and exposure of those people getting burnt out um, and potentially leaving the organization. One thing I'll note is that I've seen a lot of CEOs try and hire to fix with the thought process is that, you know, if somebody has that really awesome title on their resume and that awesome experience, this person, the CEO, the executive team is usually in so much pain that they're willing to pay. A lot of the time they'll hire in somebody and that person will just not work out, but they will take their money, you know, and leave them in a worse off position. And so because the individual is so confused, they actually don't know how to put together the appropriate job description. They don't know how to put together the appropriate working path forward to kind of fix their problems because they don't, they haven't identified their problems. So in the previous podcast, you talked a lot about a tool, which was an assessment tool as a first step to helping identify your problems. Can we just re-expand on that? I think it kind of goes back to the idea of you don't know what you don't know. And um, there's a reason why a business has gotten to a certain place that it's gotten into. And, and that is likely the function of a number of things. One is that it's just outgrown the capabilities of the people within the organization. There's other things that have gotten exposed because of the fact that you kind of only move things so far when there's an absence of systems and processes. But if you're, if you are the, the person who's the visionary and kind of the creative genius behind the organization, um, you may or may not have operational experience. And so once you get past the value proposition of your product or service, how to systematize it may be very, very difficult to understand. And so to me, I think one of the really important things to be able to do is to, to seek out a independent assessment where you can really have the opportunity to get a holistic evaluation of your business to understand one, where are the places that you are most significantly struggling? And then also then creating 
the platform to go deeper to understand what are the things that are causing that. And I think it's the, the initial assessment raises the eyebrows and the awareness around places that maybe the CEO or owner um, lacked awareness of that maybe were even important for them to have success. But then once you get their um, attention, I think around those things, and you have the ability to have the jumping off point to go deeper into the organization, you really start as you peel back that onion to uncover all these kind of systematic issues that are causing pain. And what you also find is that because you have that information, it allows you the tools to ask very insightful questions of the people who are closest to the work. And when you start asking questions, you really uncover a lot of the frustration and angst that they have. And in many cases, um, they have a lot of good ideas and they have a lot of concerns and frustrations that probably would never be surfaced without having a vehicle to kind of lift up the hood, so to speak, and understand kind of at least at a high level what's happening um, within the business. One of the other things that we find when we lift the hood up is that information is centralized to certain people in certain departments. We've both seen this. Maybe you walk into a CS department or a you know, product development department and you find that there's one individual within that department that is the go-to for everything. Yeah. And, and depending on the business, there's, there's one, if not more of these people. So um, kind of the general idea is, you know, we we've been talking a lot about the hamster wheel and the day-to-day kind of firefighting and the sometimes not knowing what you don't know or knowing who to go to. But, you know, one of the outcomes of that, um, or perhaps another way that you can uncover the fact that you really have broken systems and processes is that as your business is growing, you're firefighting enough as the CEO and owner, because you're kind of in the middle of everything every day, but you become like the um, air traffic controller And there's probably that one person who you lean on a little bit more than everybody else that when a problem is identified, you just push it off of your desk to their desk. And that's maybe because there's other problems that are maybe more significant that you're trying to manage. Um, But those things go off to somebody What for the sake of today's conversation, you know, we will call her Susie. But as the business grows, generally what happens with somebody like that is they know a lot of the intricacies of the business, they have a pretty good understanding of subject matter expertise end to end. So it's very easy to make Susie the one-stop shop. So Susie becomes the person who you consistently start to kick more and more and more things to, because as you're growing, you're getting busier and busier and busier as the owner. You're getting more and more demands. More stuff continues to get shifted to Susie. And at the same time, there's never like this stop, um, and thinking in consideration for the fact that as you're getting bigger, Susie's still just one person. And so Susie probably had a set of job responsibilities before, and you're putting her in a position where one, she's going to spend her entire day firefighting, but at some point the, she's going to be, she's going to hit the plateau of what she's capable of delivering on to continue to fight these fires. 
I think what's fascinating, I've met uh, many Susie or Sams in organizations, and they're very loyal individuals, in my experience. They're, they're there for the right reasons. They take on the extra load because they really believe in the organization's vivid vision or mandate and potentially move on to an even more important role within the organization. That is a risk when we identify that someone, a stakeholder, one person within an organization holds the keys to a lot of the knowledge um, within the organization. Case in point, in one organization I'm dealing with right now, I came in and the head of CS essentially is that go-to individual who is answering the chats, who is dealing with audits of um, refunds, who is um, dealing with training uh, additional staff, um, staff that's local in the U.S. and staff that also is not local, um, who's in charge of ensuring that the voice of the customer service representatives are as empathetic and sympathetic and is also in charge of verifying processes, which is really something that the accounting team should be doing, the finance team is, is doing. There's probably 13, 14 things that this individual is responsible for. But when she started out at the organization, she was responsible for only four. Bringing an operator, you have the ability to maintain that love for the organization, but then put in a procedure or policy to help them um, perhaps find more help, identify how knowledge transfer is going to take place, and begin to reorganize the organization in such a way where that individual, should they wish to stay on, is going to be uh, even more of a powerful agent for change within the organization. And you and I have talked about change management and the need for having ambassadors in an organization because change management is, is not easy. You know, one of the challenges that happens when you have somebody that you put so much so much emphasis on being the subject matter expert in your team is that they that ends up becoming their identity. And so there becomes, as the business becomes more and more and more and more dependent on Susie, Susie identifies with that as the value proposition to the business. And so the idea of knowledge transfer from Susie to others is kind of terrifying for the employee oftentimes. And so when you let it go too long, there is a pretty significant risk of that person's willingness to adapt and change or to buy into the idea of doing something else. But I think it is important that that person, if um, brought along kind of the, in the change continuum in the right way, can see the fact that they can add value and just as much or more value to the business, but in a different way. And so really trying to get that person transitioned to be your proactive change agent as opposed to your reactive firefighter is really, really critical. And so that person to me is probably best suited to do a number of things for you if you've decided to take the pivot. And it's probably an operator that's helped influence that is one, getting, making sure you have well-documented procedures. Um, secondly, being able to make sure that you have a change process that when things change in the organization, that everyone is well communicated and it's a well orchestrated exercise and that there are modifications to those procedures that you now have put in place so that they're, they are um, relevant and accurate uh, for that point in time. And then the third thing is actually getting into a mode of saying, what are the sources of the fires? Is it, it beyond just procedures? Oftentimes it's that there are 
breaks in processes and systems that need to be addressed. And Susie, who's fighting the fires all day, if you give her some time, probably has the best identification and best ideas of the things that need to be fixed so the fires don't happen. And so really getting into yep. a prioritization of those projects, projects and initiatives. And, and all of a sudden, when you do that, Susie's role as the firefighter really shifts to the, uh, the person who helps fireproof the business going forward. Yeah, 100%. And their emotion changes, their um, reason for being there is reignited. And um, you're, one is able to actually begin to leverage them to go out and help develop those job descriptions, um, help move them into other areas of the business. Um, perhaps they know the most about a specific product. Um, in the case of maybe an e-commerce or SaaS product, if uh, a person's been leading customer service, they're the ones who have been putting out the surveys to customers, gathering the customer feedback. And sometimes in a broken organization, that customer feedback is just sitting there and hasn't been yet connected to product. Susie is able to step out into that 30,000 foot position. There are wonderful things that could take place. Feedback that you may never have ever seen before because the individual has just been two heads down fighting fires and not being able to provide you with valuable insights that are going to help make your business better. To me, it's a huge mind shift because you have to, you have to move away from being in the business so much that you can't see the forest for the trees. And there's always going to be this natural tendency to say the fires are getting bigger and bigger. And if I take Susie out of this spot, we cannot survive. And, and the point that I would make is that if you don't get Susie out of your spot, you you won't survive. Yeah. And I, th to me, that is the the thing that I feel like when we go back to talking about the CEO being stuck is they can't see past the next day. And th the investment that is required today will have significant dividends for the business going forward, but you have to be willing to change. And if you don't, then the outcomes more than likely will not be the ones that you're hoping to deliver for your business. With that, listeners, thanks for listening. I'm Jason Carvello. And I'm Clint Overton. We'll see you next time.